Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. February 17th, 2022. What's today, KT? Today is Ask KT and Susie Anything. But if you ask Susie the question, you'll get the right answer. You're doing pretty good lately, KT. Pretty good. Hear that? Pretty good. But I'm getting better with the Roth guy, right? You're getting better with the Roth guy. Okay. So anyway, this is where if you want us to answer your question, you write into Ask Susie, S U Z E podcast at gmail.com or via the Women and Money app. And if Miss Travis selects it, we will answer it on the podcast. Susie answers it. <laughs> we better get that straight, everybody. Oh, Susie let, will answer. Let's tell everybody what's a week from oh, today. Yeah. Okay, so we have an update. We have a health update, a great one on the 24th of February. Susie is going in finally for this little sinus surgery, which is going to open up all of her opportunity to breathe, probably expel more hot air (laughs) than she usually does. And the good news is that we're here in Florida. We're actually going to record a couple podcasts that should take us through next week and the following week. And then thereafter, you're going to get a new voice, everybody. Hopefully, right? And hopefully, I'll feel a whole lot better. I'm actually really looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. Great, great It's been a long time coming. All right. All right. What do you got for me today? First question is from Diana. Dear Susie and KT, first, I'd like to thank you for the content that you share with all of us podcast listeners. Your episode on Roth IRAs last week provided a wealth of knowledge that I was completely unaware of for this particular topic. Me too, Diane. <laughs> it says, and it I, won't matter how many times she listens to that podcast. But here's her question, which doesn't have to do with Roth. It has to do with our friends at Alliant. I had a quick math question. The advertisement for Alliant at the start of the episode says that $100 is a 16.7% return on your money. When you deposit a total of 1,200, but I would have thought that the percentage would be more like 8.3%. If you get a chance, Susie, could you please explain how the 16.7% was calculated? Yes, I'd be more than happy to, my dear Diana. So for those of you listening right now, 
There is this special opportunity with Alliant Credit Union. You go to myalliant.com. And if you put in, now listen closely, $100 a month, it has to be 12 consecutive payments of at least $100 a month. At the end of that 12th month, what happens? Alliant gives you $100. However, it's not you put in $1,200, let's say in January, and then in December, you get that $100. If that were the case, and you had to put it all in at the beginning of the year in one lump sum, plus Alliant gives you 0.55% interest, yeah, then it would be like an 8% or 9% yield because you had $1,200 in there. But truthfully, everybody, do all of you have $1,200 that you can put in at one time? Maybe yes, maybe no. But the majority of you, if you just put in $100 a month, and you do that every month, at the end of 12 months, you get that $100 bonus. So you don't have all of that money in there for 12 months. You have a little in there, then a little more, and a little more. So when you do the calculations on that, it comes out to a 16.7% yield. Now, what you have to understand, no way would the legislators or the regulators or anybody allow me or Alliant to say 16.7% if it wasn't true. So your math is wrong my math and Alliance math is not. All right. Yeah, I would never ask Susie a math question like that. But, no, but it makes sense. But it makes sense. Most it, people do simple math. You put in $1,200, right? And then you times it, you know, by eight or 9% and it's a hundred bucks. And you think, wait a minute, why is it 16.7? Because you don't put in $1,200 all at once. Okay, next question is from Geraldine. I have a question regarding paying off my mortgage or taking advantage of the tax benefit. What do you recommend? Pay your house in full or continue to take advantage of the tax benefit? Does it depend on how much you owe? I think she's missing some information for you, right? Well, not really, because I can kind of generalize that. Here's the thing, Geraldine. You have to look at how the tax benefit works. So when you first take out a mortgage, the mortgage company gives you the biggest tax write-offs during the first seven to 10 years. Why do they do that? They do that because they are wishing and a praying and a hoping that you most likely, which you probably will, will sell that home within seven to 10 years. Where the mortgage companies are so brilliant is that they are getting the entire interest rate almost from that loan as if you had kept it for almost 30 years and they're putting that into your beginning years and you think how great that is, but you're not really paying down the principal. So they're getting their interest on the money, you get a tax write-off. However, if you plan to keep this home for really a long period of time, 
then the truth of the matter is, the sooner you pay it off, the better you are. The tax benefit doesn't really prevail anymore after 20 years. It really doesn't. Then it's almost all principle. So it all depends not on how much you owe, but it depends how long you have been paying that mortgage for and how long you are going to keep that house. Check your amortization schedule, which every bank will give you or mortgage company, and you'll see as the years go on, the interest that you pay goes away, and then there's no tax benefit at all to you in the later years. Okay, next questions from Wendy. Hello, Susie and KT. My husband and I are encouraging his parents to establish a living revocable trust by using your must-have documents. They have been hesitant to establish a trust for years. They're concerned that the property tax bill will increase after the title is changed from their names to the name of the trust. They own the home outright and they live in Florida. So Susie, should they expect an increase in their property taxes if the title is changed? You know, Wendy, I have to say, it's such a shame when people don't do that which would be good for them based on what they think will happen when they do something versus finding out what actually the truth is. Absolutely not. When you change your property from your individual name into the title of the trust, there is absolutely no difference in property taxes whatsoever. None. There's no difference to your income taxes whatsoever. So the excuse that they've been using is absolutely irrelevant and something that they absolutely need to get out of their head. Now, with that said, remember everybody, it is just till the end of February of 2022, where if you go to com slash offer, where the must-have documents are $69. After that, they're going to $99. Again, the must-have documents are a will, a living revocable trust, an advanced directive, a durable power of attorney for health care, and a financial power of attorney. Those, if you went to a lawyer, would cost you about $2,500. These are legal documents. It's the exact same documents that KT and I use. Maybe our assets are a little different but they are legal documents. And really, everybody, the greatest thing about it is every time you make a change, you just go back to the program and you change it. It comes with a activation code that you can give to all your family members. So it's like giving a $2,500 gift to one, $2,500 gift to another. What in the world are you waiting for? Millions and millions of people over the years have used these legal documents. Uh, really, they're the best thing you will Just ever do. do. It. Just, Just do, do it. it. Yeah. Next, Katie. Next question is from Andrea. Good morning, Susie. Is it a good morning, Katie? It's a great morning. What makes it great for you? Well, it's a beautiful day and we're up real early. We're having our, we're sipping our little coffee and you have your sweetie. I she don't drink coffee a, anymore. She sips a, um, like a chai latte. She refers to it as her sweetie. Yeah. 
And it's really nice. It's a beautiful scent. And well, you know what's spicy. cute? Everybody, when I say to KT, right, can I have a sweetie? Sometimes she thinks that means I want to kiss. <laughs> yeah, sometimes that's all you get. I know, not bad. <laughs> okay, Either way, so, I win. <laughs> Hi, Susie. I currently live as a single woman at the age of 58. I have no children of my own, but my brother has twins who are about to turn 15. I have a $250,000 term insurance policy from when I was married. I divorced in 2018. The premiums are currently about $370 a year. I have kept the insurance policy going, thinking it would be a nice thing for my nieces when I pass. But I realize now that this may be wasteful and I could be investing that money elsewhere. I feel like I should keep that policy so my family and friends would benefit from my death. Can you please help me to make this decision, Susie, or sense out of this decision? Andrea, what are you thinking? <laughs> what are you thinking? Somebody's going to benefit from your death? Nobody benefits from your death, my love. When a death happens and people love you, there is a loss that all the money in the world could never replace. And in the meantime, what you are not getting is that you have a term life insurance policy. You are only 58 years of age. The reason that it's so cheap right now is because they know you're not going to die. You're not going to die at 58, 68, 78 in most cases. You die normally when you are about 88 to 98 years of age today, unless there's an illness. So what's happening here is that as you get older, all of a sudden these premiums that you are paying when your term is up. So you've had this policy for a while now. And once you reach a certain age, then that term will be up and then they will reprice it. And then you'll say, I'm not paying that much money. So get rid of it now. It makes absolutely no sense as long as you know that you are 100% healthy, that there's nothing wrong with you. Then get rid of it and just start taking that money and investing it or going out and having a good time. I don't care what you do with it, but enjoy your life and benefit from your life now versus worrying about somebody benefiting from your life after you have died. I didn't think you were going to give her that answer. What did you think I was going to say? Well, I thought that you were going to tell her that that's a nice amount of money to leave to the twins. <laughs> oh, you're saying that because it's a twin. But she's not going to leave that to the twins, Katie. Remember, They're going to be probably no, term and... insurance mm. is insurance that's good for a specific term or a specific period of time. And the reason that you have term insurance is during your younger years, if something were to happen to somebody or you, and people are financially dependent on you, or you're dependent on somebody else, if there was to be a premature death, there would be money. But since the insurance company knows that actuarially speaking, you are not going to die within that term. They're usually five-year term, 10-year term, 20-year term, maybe 30, that their premiums are so cheap because they're pocketing money because you're not going to die. <laughs> so once you start 
getting older and your term is up, oh, now they start charging you because they know that you, that you probably will die with it and you're going to pay for it. So no, don't waste your money. No, but let's remind people that you're a big believer in term versus whole life. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Next question. Whole life insurance, in most cases, it's one of the biggest ripoffs out there. Okay. All right. She and so is it. universal life. Okay. And so all is right. variable life. All right. All right. All right. All right. Sorry. Okay. Next question. You started it. This is from Ryan, your fellow night owl. Should uh -oh. I ask more about that, Susie? Ryan signs us. Susie, I'm your fellow night owl. Do you have like a little secret relationship with Ryan at night? <laughs> well, many of you who know that you write in to the Ask Susie podcast, a lot of times when I answer these, is at one or two or three or 4 a.m. in the morning. That's when I normally She does answer, answer them, so many right? of you. And the truth of the matter is, I don't really like to sleep. I have so much fun. I love my life so much that it's like, I don't want to waste all this time going, do you know what I figured out, KT, when I was younger? <laughs> want to hear this? Yeah. That if you sleep seven hours a night, I think I, it was. I go for eight. I know you do, but I think I did something <laughs> like this. And you live till seven, whatever. You like sleep away 21 years of your life. Oh, I remember you told me that because I like, wanted more. And I'm like, why would I want <laughs> to do that? I go for eight hours. Even though I know sleep is what everybody says keep you, keeps you healthy. So maybe you shouldn't listen to me. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Ryan's question is, it's great to hear your voice again, Susie. Thank you. So Ryan, just wait in a couple more weeks. It's going to be even better. I hope. So ready? I could really use a loving push in the right direction. I feel like I've been standing at a real estate crossroads for far too long. I purchased my home three years ago, and I have 190000 remaining on a 15-year fixed at 3.25%. I'm now entering my late 30s, and <laughs> thanks to your mantra, live below your means, I'm debt-free with a passion to save. That's Susie's boy. That said, I currently have enough saved without touching my emergency fund to play, pay off my mortgage. But is that the right move for me? Is it better to refinance my current mortgage to a 10-year at 2.67%, keeping the majority still liquid in my Alliance savings account, to then invest in downturns in the market? Is there a third option? <laughs> All right, Susie, there's your night owl. So, my little night owl, here is my advice. You are 30 years of age. Do you wish you were 30 again, KT? No. A little? No. What if you were 30 and you had met me at 30? Oh, my God, we would have so much fun. No, but we always said that we met each other at the right time. You were very different at 30, and I was both of yeah, us Yeah, I was were, a waitress. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in the height of my career, moving yeah. fast forward. You would have loved me as a waitress. I loved I being a waitress. would have probably come and had breakfast. I have to tell you, that was maybe one of my favorite jobs in life. Wait, right, answer, I'm sorry. answer I'm so Ryan. I'm sorry I answer got off Ryan. track here, which is this. At 30, 
This is the time that you want to be taking that money and investing it in the stock market, taking advantage of downturns, hoping and wishing and praying that the market goes down because you have 30, 40, hopefully 50 years till you need this money. Are you kidding me? That's what you want to do. So no, do not pay off your mortgage. Number one. Number two, right? Should you refinance? So let's, let's actually try to do the numbers on this. You say that you bought this home three years ago and you have $190,000 left on your 15 year fixed at 3.25%. That means and I'm just going to guess at this, that you have a, that your original mortgage was $193,000 and that therefore your payments would be about $1,422 a month. If you refinance now at $190,000 at 2.67%, your payments, if it's for a 10-year fixed rate mortgage, will be about eighteen seventy two. That means it's going to cost you $450 more a month. So that is a lot of money. However, if you can afford it, does it make sense for you to do that? Number one, do you have the desire to own this home outright in 10 years? Do you? Because really, at this point, given that you had a 15-year mortgage, you have 12 years left on it, and now you're only going to refinance for what? Another 10 years. I'm not sure it makes sense to do that depending on what your closing costs. Because remember, Ryan, every time you refinance, maybe you could refinance for no closing costs, but usually it was quite a few thousand dollars. So then the question also becomes, do you have a better use for that $450 extra per month to be putting it in the market? So I don't know, but somehow my gut tells me you should leave everything exactly how it is and take all the extra money you can every single month and just keep investing, investing, investing. What's the difference? 10 years, 12 years, you'll be 42. You know, it, uh, for two years, I'm not sure it's worth it, yeah, my friend. I, would, I wouldn't do it too. <laughs> for two years, I wouldn't do it. You wouldn't? No, I'd take that extra money and try to make more with it. I'd invest it. In what would you invest? Wait, there's a name of a stock that's real good right now. What's I am not telling you, so stop asking me. Okay. okay, next question is from Nancy. Now, the reason I picked this one, I loved her subject, Susie. It says, stupid versus feeling secure. So I want to tell Nancy there's nothing stupid about asking a financial question ever. Take it from me, right, Susie? I take, take it, it from, from KT. you. All right. Dear KT and Susie, Thank you for your compassion and connection to your app listeners. Your advice always feels so personal, like you are the only ones who get it. So here's her, here's, um, well, I can tell you, I'm absolutely one of the ones that gets it. Yeah, that's for sure. Do you get it? Sometimes. No, KT, you connect to them, you cry, you laugh, you yeah. get it. 
I do get it, but sometimes I'm clueless. No, you're some clueless of, these, of the answer. But I never feel stupid, ever. And that's why everybody loves you. I never feel stupid, Nancy. Because you're not. KT, you are one of the smartest women I've ever met in my life. Yeah, because I picked you. <laughs> no, in everything in life. Oh, my God. Anyway, go on. Okay, so here's the question. Susie, I'm struggling with a life insurance dilemma. My husband is 57, and 20 years ago, we purchased a term insurance policy. 20 years ago? 20. Uh-huh. Before the term was up, we tried to get a new policy, but he was denied to, due to some health issues. So just to let everyone know, her husband has a pacemaker. The company is letting us continue the policy, but at a higher rate that will go up each year, which you just explained. Yeah. So I feel like an idiot paying approximately $700 a month, wow, for a $900,000 policy and coverage. But I have this feeling in my gut that if we cancel his policy, something will happen to his health and I will be in finance. I will be, it says I'll be screwed financially. You didn't want to say no. that on air, did you? No. You can say it. It's okay. Just so, read it. He is the primary earner. I could not afford to pay our mortgage on my own. Do we keep paying this high amount? Is it wasteful or is it what I need to do to feel secure? Good question, Susie. That's from Nancy. Should that have been your quizzy? Oh, mm, I don't know how to answer. So, I just think $700 a month is crazy. Nancy, I think it was last Sunday, maybe. Three steps to living a super life. And one of them is to trust your gut, to trust yourself more than you trust others. And we sometimes get this feeling, and there's a reason why we get the feeling. Now, obviously, you have been paying this money, and while he was healthy and he was younger, the goal of term insurance was that you would invest and save enough over those 20 years so that after 20 years, you wouldn't need insurance anymore. And therefore, you would be okay no matter what happened. But obviously, Nancy, that isn't what you did. So did you buy a home that was too expensive? Did you spend more money than you should have, figuring it's okay if something happens, we'll be okay, because we have $900,000 of term insurance. Now you're in a situation where $700 a month is a lot even towards a mortgage payment. So you, however, are going to have to do what makes you feel secure because death can happen at any moment. Trust me, I know that big time, right, KT? Yes, we that's know for that. sure. We know that, everybody. So you have to trust your gut here more than no matter what I say to you. But in the meantime, this is what I would be doing if you decide to keep this policy. You have got to get yourself in a situation where you own your home outright sooner than later, if that is where you want to stay. Or you can now make it where you play that your husband has died. And now listen to me closely. Now you're in a situation and you didn't have 
this $900,000 policy, what would you do? Would you have to sell the house? Would you have to downsize? What would you have to do? And if there are things that you would have to do, do it now. Do it now. All right, sell your house now while the market's high. Maybe rent for a while so that if something were to happen, you would be okay. And then maybe you could get to the point where you could cancel this $900,000 policy because you would be okay no matter what happened. And then you would have $700 more a month to do something with and build up your money. But that is what you need to do to feel secure, which is the question, the main question you asked me. So to feel secure, you have to live below your means, but within your needs. So what do you need, Nancy, to feel secure right here and right now? Because eventually, $700 a month for this $900,000 policy, it's going to be 1000 a month, then 1200 a month, then 2000 a month. It is going to go up every single year. So you have to take actions right here and right now that make you feel secure where you are secure without relying on a life insurance policy. Okay, T is looking at me. What would you do? Exactly what I told her to do. Mm, Exactly what I told her to do. Yeah, I would right now... If my fear is if he died, I couldn't afford the mortgage on the home, I would get rid of the home mm. and get something that I could afford. So I, do it now. Do it while now. He's with you. Do not wait. Susie, guess what time it is now? Quizzy time. You knew that? Yes. Yeah. You were a lot of questions. I'm out of questions. It's quizzy time. All right, Katie. Now, everybody, here's how we play quizzy time. I pick out a question. KT has read this question when she went over questions, but she didn't know it was going to be her quizzy. But it's also your quizzy. And your quizzy is, it's time that you start thinking about how would you answer these questions if it was your particular situation. So let's pretend you have to answer this as well. Let's not pretend. Let's do it. All right. I'll take one for the team, everybody. You take it, girlfriend. (laughs) There's Susie and KT. My mom is 58. That means she's young, KT, and has a Roth IRA of $25,000 and a traditional 401k of $20,000. Now, it's important to look at the amounts of money that somebody who's the age of 58 has saved. Because what does that tell you off the bat, KT, about this person? She started saving a little late. A little late and a lot, or a lot late. she doesn't make that much money. Okay. Tells us one or the other about them or both. After speaking with her, she disclosed that she will be expecting Social Security to satisfy her monthly income needs. So mom thinks when she takes Social Security that it will satisfy her monthly income needs. First of all, I would doubt that is highly true. Income needs actually go up as you get older. And this is also a person, 
And I'm going into detail here because these are the things I want you all to think about. This is a person that obviously hasn't been very realistic about saving for their future because they obviously started late thinking everything would be okay. So as I'm looking at these questions, this is what I'm thinking. She just did her taxes recently and has the option to max out her traditional IRA, to receive a tax break, or to max out her Roth IRA. So she now gets to choose one or the other. Okay? Being a fan of yours, I encouraged her to choose the Roth option. But after further thought, I was thinking a traditional contribution may be more tax beneficial in the long run. She is expecting to make less money in her later years than what she is earning now. Is it better for her to claim the tax break now while she is in a relatively higher tax bracket than have to pay more taxes on the money she contributed versus when she takes the money out? Please help. I would appreciate your wisdom and guidance. So here is the question, KT, and I'll be very concise. Okay. Should she continue to contribute to a traditional IRA or should she continue to contribute to a Roth IRA? Which one? Roth. You're sure? Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) For sure. Why? Because the Roth, because Roth is always better. (laughs) All right, everybody, let me answer this for all of you, which is... You love Roth. Especially Nicholas. Nicholas, your mother cannot be making that much money, right? It's impossible for her to have this little at 58 in her retirement accounts. Also, it's not about the tax savings here. It is about having total access to that money all of it at once in case something were to happen. Do a Roth IRA, forget about the tax benefits right now. Don't do traditional, just that simple. Remember when you have money in a traditional? If you then convert, now there's the five-year rule, everything starts to go crazy on you, number one. Number two, when you start taking money out of a traditional, it starts to do what? count towards your Medicare B premiums and possibly will make her Social Security taxable. And traditionals absolutely are affected and ruled by required minimum distributions. Do a Roth, do a Roth, do a Roth. You got that one right, KT? I knew Roth would be the way to go. I know how I can trick you. How? There's got to be a quizzy that I can do where the answer is traditional. And you're just going to say Roth. No, I have to think about it. You have to think about it. So (laughs) until Sunday, make sure everybody take advantage of the Alliant Credit Union offer. Go to myalliant.com. Take advantage of the must-have documents offer. Go to suzyorman.com slash offer. And join me on Sunday for Susie's Susie School. See you then. Bye bye. We can't give up. And no matter what the world throws at us, we will rise above and live a life we love. If we just believe, it will set us free. We will rise above and live a life we love.
Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.